Bandwidth for This Week in Photography is brought to you by CashFly at C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. This week on the show, Photoshop goes to the web buying used camera equipment and a raw conversation with Nicole Allen right here on This Week in Photography, number 16. Live from the Padango Studios, where we are temporarily hosting today's episode, this is TWIP, This Week in Photography. I'm Scott Bourne, your co-host, and my other co-host, Alex Lindsay, has wandered in from the Pixel Core, where we also record this show. Hi, Alex. Hello. And it's an exciting day. We're going to talk about RAW. We're going to talk about RAW. We've got all kinds of exciting news. It's, it's, great. it's a great day to do a podcast. We're going to have a special guest on a little bit later, and I'll let you introduce him. Mm-hmm. And... We are going, and, and by the way, this guy, he knows raw. He knows it. In fact, he, I, he wrote the book. I, 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 I know he wrote the book. Literally. And, and in, in fact, he wrote the book of raw Alonians in the Bible. I mean, so it's, he really <laughs> knows raw. And uh, we'll keep that as a surprise until a little bit later. We also have our other usual cohorts in camera crime here. We have back from Africa, safe and sound. We were all a little bit worried, but our buddy Steve Simon's here. Hi, Steve. Hey guys, I, I missed you. Good to be back. We did miss you, and we'll get a little update from you on your Africa trip. And uh, from San Jose, which is the site of some of this morning's very exciting photography news, which we'll get to in a minute, we have our good friend, Fred Johnson. Hey guys, I don't know if you can hear me because I'm having some Skype issues. Well, um, we hear you fine. But if you can, can you hear me? We hear you we just hear- fine. Mm-hmm. Okay, great, great. Yeah, I've got a, I've got the spinning beach ball of death on um, on Skype right now, and uh, it's not showing me any audio feedback. So, anyway, yes, I am in San Jose, and we have some really cool and interesting news today. I'm, um, I'll be happy to talk to it at length today. <laughs> yeah, we might keep that length thing out of the conversation, but you'll get to talk about it. And uh, we we uh, don't want to leave out. Uh, Hailing uh, from Hermosa Beach, where it's probably warmer than it is everywhere else, Ron Brinkman. Beautiful day. A beautiful day in Southern California. You know, I'm really getting tired of hearing you say that. Just wanted to take that out. <laughs> One of these days it won't be beautiful, and I'll be happy to tell you that. You know, okay. I, you know I'd love Southern California if it wasn't for all that sun. Yeah. <laughs> this is, oh, I come out. I, I, stayed down, I stayed down there for a week, and I came out. I was like, another day of sun. Damn. Well, That's I'll so be, boring. I'll be down there this weekend. Right. I'll be in LA this weekend, so oh, yeah? I'll, I'll be enjoying. I'm gonna I'm gonna drive some cool cars. Ah, Ooh, there's a world class driving. Nice. Are you gonna take some pictures? I am. Let's I'm gonna see. take pictures of two million dollars worth of cars that I get to drive. Nice. Just don't wreck them. Wow. Yeah, I will. Uh, then I'll take pictures of you. Yeah. Driving yeah. yeah. Well, today let's get right into the news. Well, before we go to the news, I want I, I want to hear a little bit about Steve, Steve's little trip to Africa. Okay, we can do it there. So is is uh, hey so Steve, uh, how was uh, how was Rwanda? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, it's my third time there, guys. It's it's an absolutely beautiful place, and uh, you know, for for a, a sub-Saharan African country, it's it's really doing well. You know, they've got a real good uh, uh, kind of internet structure going up. I, I was able to get online, although I couldn't get on the show, unfortunately. Um, and uh, it was a really uh, great shooting experience. I, I ended up uh, using 
I, I probably can't say the word, but it's, it's not a D2. It's one higher. <laughs> <laughs> for the first time, I tell you, I, I never took out my flash. And it was liberating to be able to go into a situation. I was visiting a lot of people in villages and entering their homes, which were very dark. And I would just dial up that ISO with abandon and know that I would get these beautiful results. Um, I did find that I just had to make sure I didn't underexpose because that's when, when noise would be exaggerated a little. But it was, it was quite exciting. I, I really liked it. How, how was the... But it's... Go ahead. How are people there around um, just regarding being having pictures taken of them? Were they comfortable with it? Well, I think um, you guys know the history of Rwanda, and there is an element of paranoia there. But when you go in with local people and they introduce you, uh, that's everything because then uh, they feel a lot more comfortable and, and you're able to work. You don't look like, much like a rebel, I have to tell you this, Steve. <laughs> well, I'm a pretty non-threatening guy. I try and be as much as possible, especially with my camera. But uh, no, it was it was a great experience. I, I shot uh, a lot of images, and uh, you know, I usually take with me my, these portable USB hard drives with some stuff, thinking that I'm going to, you know, get to the work while I'm there. But I end up uh, always just deleting because I need more room. I, I never have enough space. I don't know if that happens. Hey, would you do us a big favor, Steve? I, I hate to impose on you, but I'm going to. Would you pick one or two of your favorite pictures and maybe sometime on, uh, on the blog this week you can put them up? Absolutely. Yeah, I've been a little bit lax as far as the blog is concerned, so I definitely want to get back and I'll, I'll post a couple of the, uh, the low-light images. Okay. Fantastic. Where's the, where are they eventually going to show up? The, wh- who are you shooting for? Well, actually, I was doing this assignment for the Canadian government, actually, looking at some of the uh, aid programs that they help fund. But I also have a personal project on the grandmothers uh, who sadly have lost their own children because of AIDS and are forced to raise these little kids. And, you know, it's, it's really kind of amazing. There's so many of these uh, elderly ladies who, uh, you know, by circumstance, just persevere uh, with these little kids and uh, often on very little. So they're very inspiring. Uh, the more of them I meet, uh, the more I'm excited about meeting more of these women and, and doing this project. Well, we'll look forward to getting a picture or two from you this week, Steve, and we're glad you're back. So now we'll do the news. I'm going to knock out a couple of less significant pieces of news first. Um, Aperture updates its raw compatibility. Um, Photoshop Element 6.4, the Mac, is now finally shipping. And we'll have to ask Adobe why they treat the Mac version of Elements as a stepchild, because they always put the PC version out first. I noticed that. We'll talk not, to Fred Not right. that we're bitter or not anything. Not that we're bitter or anything. There's some new film scanners out, Alex, that you wanted to well, talk about? You know, I just thought, I, I thought a lot of times when I'm looking at the news, because um, there's not usually weekly news uh, going on, but, uh, you know, I think, I think it's interesting to talk about a little bit of what to do with all of these um, all this film that some of us have acquired. I mean, I still have a lot of film laying around that I'm trying to figure out the best way to get it all digita- digitized. Um, does anyone use... And so these are new... Plus Tech uh, came out with some new scanners that are now... I mean, to me, it seems amazing. I bought a 4,800 DPI Nikon scanner for like $1,500 or $2,000 um, not too long ago. And now they have... Uh, I think it's, um, I want to say, 7,600 DPI, um, these optical, optic film for only 589 Wow. You know, for these, these, these oh. scanners. And um, so incredibly high-resolution uh, scanners. I think they're 48-bit 
um, scanners and enough to really suck everything out of that that uh, your standard um, you know 35 millimeter slide that was there. Uh, do, are you guys doing any scanning? As far as getting, I've got. Scanning? I still have a lot of film. I'm planning on doing scanning <laughs> in my retirement. So it's nice to know that uh, that wasn't a press release from 1988, but it was actually 2008, and they're coming out with new scanners. So obviously, there's a, a market there. I think. I think a lot of us always plan to kind of digitize our archives, but. You know that usually takes a, a low priority because you're just trying to. I just bought the X pan, so I'm doing some scanning of the X pan mm-hmm. negatives, and because uh, that's really all you can do with them, you can nobody can print them or, right. or help you with them. So, uh, I'm, I'm, but I'm uh, I'm planning on using an Imicon to do the final scans because that's basically the quality of a drum scan for right. about half the price. But I'm just using an old Epson, well, not old, but six months old Epson. You know, pro scanner to just scan them and make contact sheets. One of the things that I that I uh, I wish I could find another good scanner that isn't too expensive that that did what the Nikon one did that we bought five years ago or whatever, which is that it had a great feeder. So we put oh, yeah. fifty slides in and and then leave it overnight, and we come in the next day and all the slides would be in on the, in the other other row, and then and they'd all be in the computer. It was great. I just uh, just got done sending all of my. Uh, old negatives off to be scanned uh, with a service called Scan Cafe. You guys heard of this? No. Have you gotten them back yet? What I want to know. Uh, so I just <laughs> got them back. Uh, <laughs> do they go to India or they stay yeah, they in the do. states? They do. They go to no. They go to India. They go. They go to to Ooh, uh, the scary. Bay Area first, where they're repackaged and then uh, couriered over to India. And yeah, I mean, it obviously is kind of a scary thing. Kinda. They say it's safe <laughs> and secure. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. You got major <laughs> cojones, dude. Yeah. Uh, I, you know, it, it, for me, it came down, I mean, if I had a bunch of old stuff that was extraordinarily precious to me and I knew they were like great art, that might be one thing and I probably wouldn't have sent those off, but I got a drawer full of stuff that's just snapshots that I've taken over the years and, you know, yeah. I have the prints and I sort of figured, you know, they're, they're sitting in a drawer right now and I'm never going to get around to them. So, uh, yeah, I sent off about 4,000 you know, individual negatives, not strips. Four thousand individual negatives was the total count, and uh, got them all back. How'd they do? What What was the bill for that? Uh, yeah, what was the bill? It was about six hundred, seven hundred dollars, I think. Wow! They, they, it's about nineteen cents a negative, but the cool thing is they let you go online once they're scanned and throw away as much as fifty percent of them. So if you have this stuff that was scanned, it's just like I don't ever need that image. You don't have to pay for it. So wow. that's kind of cool. I'm, you know, I, I wrote a I wrote a blog post on this. I don't think you put it up yet, Scott. Well, we, we can put it up now that you've got the stuff back. Yeah. So maybe- <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to put it up until you got the stuff back. I didn't want, like all these people dialing up because we recommended this service, and then two months later, I got twenty five people looking to lynch me because their stuff never came back. <laughs> yeah, I'll write I'll write the follow up uh, a little short follow up on that and send it to you. That sort okay, of we'll shows what I got. But I, ultimately, I'm I'm pretty happy with it. You know, they're. Um, they do. They run it through the the noise um, removal kind of process. Not noise removal, but dirt and dust removal, scratch yeah, removal yeah. stuff. They're fairly clean, and uh, they do a basic color correction. I mean, at that price, you know, it's yeah, like you can't expect I got all my negative scan for what the, you know less than it would cost you guys to buy one of those scanners. Yeah, it's, it sounds cool. Well, let's move it on. It takes a two-year project and uh, <laughs> puts it. Uh, you know, have In someone India. else do it. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's great. Let's yeah. move on to the big news. 
Adobe announced as of 12.01 a.m. this morning, we can tell you, it's Photoshop Express Beta. And um, last week at this time, I was uh, invited to attend an online press conference where they debuted the product. It's built entirely in Flash and Flex, and it's everything that you would typically do with something like iPhoto or Photoshop Express or any number of photo editors, but the, the catch is you do it online. There's no software to install, there's no disks to buy, there's no updates to run, and I got to tell you, it's shockingly, interestingly good. Um, you can drag and drop. It looks sort of like Lightroom, and I'm going to get Fred in on this because, you know, Fred, you obviously have more experience with it than anybody. I, I was only allowed to watch it. They didn't let us play with it. Um, you know, yeah, yeah. pick up where I just uh, started there and, and go. Well, you know, the cat's out of the bag, and I was I was actually playing with it last week during our podcast. So, oh, you know, I, was, I had my little private moment of joy. <laughs> Show off. <laughs> 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 Did we lose Fred? Oh, oh, another private little private moment of joy. joy. Well, a moment of joy, and then off he goes. Hello. Oh, there, there yeah. we go. You came back. Fred's got a little. T uh, the uh, connection down there isn't, this, isn't quite the, as strong. The Skype gods are 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 mad at me. My, they've got my MacBook Pro throttled to one hundred and one percent right now. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. <laughs> anyway. Anyway. Uh, yeah, so so it, Photoshop Express is everything that Scott said. It's an online image organization and cataloging application that's been sort of designed specifically for the um, for sort of the the Facebook, MySpace younger generation crowd that don't really need all the horsepower of say a Photoshop or the raw processing capabilities of a Lightroom, but they still need to you know color correct images, do some funky things with them, crop them. Um, and, and share them with us. But, but like Scott said, everything is done online, which the, the interesting thing about this move is it represents Adobe's first step into, or, you know, first really little step into this, what we call rich internet applications, or RIAs. So these apps that are fully deployed online, that are fully functional, we can update them whenever we want to, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, the, at least the base level of usage of these things is completely free. Well, I, the thing that I'm interested in, of course, is I know I know you guys are very proud about the idea of getting it online, but I want to know if I can have an Air app, like a standalone little app that just does this basic piece. Still, oh, absolutely. So that's that's the next step for Photoshop Express is, uh, you know, once it's in beta now, so they're, they're going to continue to refine it, you know, depending on how, how it performs under the load of, of real world and not just Adobe people. But it, uh, uh, the next, one of the next steps will be to deploy it as a desktop application through Air. Well, I can tell you right now that it's obviously immediately interesting and somewhat successful because the waiting period to get approved for the beta this morning went from one minute to five minutes to 15 minutes to 25 <laughs> minutes to 35 minutes to 45 minutes pretty quickly. And the site was getting hit pretty hard. So I think there's a lot of interest in this product. For me, I mean, it, it's it's obviously it's aimed at consumers. It won't support raw files. You can't upload something with greater than 10 megs at this point. Th those things can all change. For me, the big deal is 
this is one of those first steps. Yeah. It's like, okay, maybe this application isn't the one I'm going to use on a daily basis, but when we get down the road, how much of the the big boy processing will we be able to get on the web and what we'll be able to do? For instance, will we be able to move a Lightroom online, a real full-fledged Lightroom? Because when that happens, it's going to solve a lot of problems for people, provided that you do have a reliable partner like Adobe that you can trust to do the storage. And I do think that's a key thing here. Will people trust an online service? Obviously, the name Adobe is going to help people feel like, okay, these guys probably have a, a robust enough server solution that my images aren't going to go away in a crash. And, of course, if they do, then Fred's going to be saying, would you like fries with that? <laughs> well, and I think that, I think that also as, a, as someone who develops... As, as, as someone who develops software, I think that one of the things that's uh, exciting is the idea that to see how far uh, you can push Flex and 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 uh, and Flash and a lot of the new the new the new infrastructure that Adobe's putting in, and, and by them have producing something this robust, I'm sure that there was a lot of pipe uh, pipes that were broken and and refixed and changed in uh, Flex and and Flash as this was being built. Right, right, Fred. That's absolutely correct, you know, and, and another another reason for this application is just to, you know, to eat, for us to eat our, our own dog food and right. show what's possible with, with the, 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 you know, both the Air, Apple, the Air platform when, when we deploy this on Air and Flash and Flex and how you can build these rich applications that do everything you need to do within the browser. You don't have to rely on operating, operating system-specific software. Right. The other cool thing about this, this, this deployment is the... Um, <laughs> the fact is, that it, is what it, it, you have to say that again what was that what was the cool thing Hello? Fred? We, we lost you right oh, at the okay, cool now, thing. i said it's because it's an internet application it's tied into third-party services like uh facebook right. and yeah. photo bucket etc so that you can it's cool you just click on there and log in and whatever photos that you've uploaded to say facebook just show up and you can edit them and save them directly back to that service. That stunned me when I, watched, a, you know, when I watched that in the demo. That stunned me how well that worked. That you could go get a photo off another site, edit it there, and put it back or now, save it or whatever. Is, is there a reason that I didn't see Flickr there? It's, it's being added. Oh, it's they, being added. They, were, they didn't have the in time for the, the right. launch, but they, right. they have the deal cut with them. Awesome. I want to move on from this because we're running late already and, and we have a lot to get to today, but I did do a fairly detailed review including listing all 17 tools that are available to you. It's on today's blog post at twipphoto.com, and we will do a follow-up yeah. once um, this thing sort of, um, and no pun intended, airs itself out. And uh, yeah. Scott, <laughs> one last thing I wanted to sneak in there was the, the fact that, that folks, if you're interested in, the, in, the, in using it, you should head over there right now and, and secure your domain name. Right. Because you actually get a personal domain Frederick at Photoshop.com, and uh, I, I, already sure got, I already got. There's all the lots good of Fredericks that tried to get. <laughs> I, I already got yours, Fred. Don't worry, I, I got all the good ones. <laughs> I got Fred, Frederick, all that stuff. <laughs> yeah, good. Well, it's an exciting. Pro I mean, I, I, I got to tell you, I think we need to maybe spend a whole show talking about the ramifications of this. It's a big deal. Like I say, this finished product isn't the big deal. It's the concept. That's the big deal. We'll talk about that in weeks to come. So every week, we have a TWIP site of the week. And we get that from 
lots of places. We get emails, of course, off of our blog at twipphoto.com. But we also rely on Delicious. You can use the simple tag Twip Ideas on Delicious. And today or tomorrow, we'll be posting a video to teach you how to do that if you don't know how to do that. And we're going to hand off uh, down to Hermosa Beach to Ron Brinkman, who's got this week's Site of the Week. Yeah, so a site that I find myself going back to quite a bit, it's actually, I, I put it in my RSS feed uh, and get you know, sort of daily, several updates a day, and it's called Shorpy, uh, shorpy.com, S-H-O-R-P-Y.com. Uh, it bills itself as the 100-year-old photo blog, and, and that's pretty much what it is. It's a bunch of historical negatives that have been scanned in at really high resolution, so there's tons of great detail in there. And uh, mostly, you know, early 1900s kind of stuff, although it varies, goes a little bit earlier and, and a little bit later. And there's all kinds of great stuff in there, you know, stuff scanned from these dry plate glass negatives and Kodachrome uh, transparencies and, you know, old nitrate, nitrate uh, uh, negatives and things like that. A lot of stuff from the Farm Security Administration, like old Dorothea Lang uh, photos. Ooh, that's good stuff. Yeah, it's really, really beautiful. I mean, it's, it's just great slice of life stuff, a lot of it. You know, it's not a lot of people, a lot of people photos, a lot of, um, you know, interesting places, downtown, uh, you know, Des Moines, Iowa kind of photos or, or, you know, just kind of random stuff like that. But it's really a, a lot of fun. I recommend everybody. And like I said, I just go ahead and subscribe with the uh, RSS feed and get it in your feed reader. And it's like a nice, nice little surprise that shows up uh, a few times a day. Hey, Ron, uh, I'm always surprised when I look back at those, you know, old photos, it reminds me that, you know, those guys were using um, larger format film and the quality is phenomenal. So if they scan them in big, you really see, uh, you know, you really get a sense of, of being there back in time. Absolutely. With all, all the advancements we've made, you know, the quality that you see back then was, was phenomenal. Yeah, you know, they, they, uh, there was a couple of them that came by, I think it was last week, that were sort of inside of an old department store, an old grocery store, I guess. And uh, it was fun. You, you know, you look at the full size, and you can just go to the full size online, and you can go in and read the, the individual labels on the cans and everything on the shelf. And, yeah, I mean, you really kind of get how much detail is in a, especially a large format negative like that and just beautiful stuff. And, you know, I think also... Uh, a lot of this stuff was, you know, all natural lighting kind of things, and uh, it just it's great looking, so everybody should check it out. We'll have a link in the show notes. Our show notes are done by Aaron, who is probably the best show notes guy on the planet. Definitely. <laughs> and, and he's just really been working hard. He's almost really about to be elevated to producer status because he's doing a lot behind the scenes to help us out. So you send us an email or put it up there on Delicious. Let us know what you think, and we'll look at the sites you suggest, and we'll pick another one for next week. Thanks, Ron. That was that was an excellent, excellent choice. It's cool. And uh, moving on to other stuff we got going on here. You know, we do this thing uh, every couple of weeks where we have a Flickr challenge. And speaking of Flickr... My gosh, it's uh, it's we're almost to twenty eight hundred. Let's get to three thousand, guys. Come on, let's get over that hump. We almost have three thousand members. For just just to let you know, the show is two months old today. Yeah. In two months, we got nearly three thousand people who oh. headed over there to Flickr to join us, and we're well over eight hundred on the critique forum now. Yeah. So that's growing like a weed. And if you go over there, you can participate in what we call our weekly Flickr challenge. Actually, it's bi-weekly now. And uh, this recent challenge was uh, 
come up came up with by uh, Alex. He's he's the guy that thinks of things like HDR, and he said we're going to do the HDR challenge. And boy, almost two hundred people, Alex. Submitted yeah, it images. was fantastic photos. And and you know there there were there were people who took a pure HDR approach, and then there were people who even went. In fact, the majority of people, which I was really proud of, this actually went further and went to tone mapping. Right. And, I mean, the tone mapping, of course, we, we gave a little hint at, that, you know, photomatics is the way to do that. And, and, and I still think that of all the things I've looked at, that's the best at tone mapping. It's also the most yeah. expensive. But, it's, but not that expensive. Not, I mean, no, it's $99. 100, 100 and, bucks, or yeah. $69 for the plug-in for but, Photoshop. But many people tone mapped. And I'm going to take a wild guess that our winner tone mapped. Because if he didn't tone map, he just got the best luck of the draw in the world on a pure HDR image. And the winner is is Jetty is the name of the picture, and you'll see it, uh, a link to it on the blog, and you'll understand why it's called Jetty, because it is a Jetty. It's sort of a black and whitish image, and it's by Huey, and I, I think it's really well done. It looks close enough to realistic that I believe it's a real image. Huey, if you get in touch with us, we'll send you a free book. And also want to mention a runner-up, Andrew did a great shot of a place called Burlingham Mill, and I'm guessing that's in UK. Um, and uh, boy, that was a really well done photograph as well. We appreciate everybody who got involved. When you want to participate in the challenge, it's very easy. You upload your picture to Flickr. It's easier if you put it in the pool, but it doesn't matter if you don't. You can upload it to our group's discussion pool, or you can just put it anywhere on Flickr, and then just tag it with TWIP and then the name of the challenge. And we have a new challenge. And the new can challenge... I, can I just say something, Scott? I just can. wanted to say, because I saw the images. I chose a couple of other images. There was so much great material there. And, you know, how do you pick a winner? I mean, it's yeah. so subjective. I, and would you like to know? I think people know that, you know, many of the images could have been a winner. <laughs> You flipped a coin. I flipped a coin. I couldn't decide. There was everybody had so many great things. Dude, the thing was. Well, that's it. People need to know that. I think. Well, I, I think that we, you know, we, we call it a winner and we call it a contest. But I think that the real value is a lot of people all coming together and and doing the same thing at the same time, and 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 it allows us to get this slice of life, and, and allows us all in this case to experiment with something technical. The next challenge is to is to really give us a let us see something about people's lives. Yeah. Well, and and I do want to say that a lot of the help is done on a peer-to-peer -peer level. Because, you know, those of you listening probably don't realize, but, you know, this isn't all we do here at, at, at the show. I mean, all of us have day jobs, and we don't charge any money for this show. So uh, this is this is just all a free gift, and, and we all have other things we have to do. So we can't be involved 24-7 in what's going on. But what's really great is the people who are members of the forum are getting in there and chipping in and saying, no, you know, you need to, you need to worry about those halos. And, and you're right, Steve, there was a lot there. But Here's the problem I face. All of you suggested an image to me when I sent out the email saying, you know, help me pick. Nobody agreed on the winner. No, <laughs> That's exactly. there, was so much good, there was so much good so stuff. So each and every person gave Absolutely. me different images, yeah. so I ended up flipping a coin. Call me crazy, but, you know, there was... <laughs> no, I think maybe that's probably as good a way as any. And I guess just to underline to the, the listeners out there that, uh, you know, these things are so subjective, and if they're not picked... Um, you know, do not despair. Do not worry. Well, uh, and, you, you know, know. You're, you're winning a nice book, but that's not exactly a, the world's biggest. It's not like we're giving away a car. So, I mean, you know, it's not the con Alex. You got it right. It's not the contest that matters. It's just participating. And once again, the yeah. spirit of this is we want you to get out there with your camera. Now, we let you put images up that are two years, five years, twenty years old, if you want. But the spirit of this is go out and get your camera. And this 
this new challenge should be very easy. No matter who you are, where you live, what kind of gear you have, you can participate in this next challenge. I guarantee it because all you have to do is take a picture of a people. A people. <laughs> Any people at all. One or two or three or ten people. And, 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 and you can, you know, the only thing we're going to ask because we have a clean tag on our podcast and because we run a kid-safe group, we're going to ask that you don't do any nudity. And it's not because we're prudes. It's not because we don't like looking at naked bodies or anything like that. It's just we, have, we do have some young listeners who are participating, 14, 15, 16 right. years old. They send me emails, so I know they're out there. Let's just avoid the nudity, please. But anything else is, is cool. Uh, you know, send us a picture of a person. And, and please send only your best image. If you have more than one image, and I notice it will disqualify you from the challenge. So just your best. You have two weeks to do it. And uh, two weeks from Thursday, today, right. we will have another challenge. And we're going to look at all these. In the meantime, what we've been doing is we used to do this every week. Now we're doing it every two weeks. Is the gang of Twippers will spend some time on the critique forum. So I'm going to ask all of all of you guys on mic with me. Go over to the critique forum. Make sure you critique at least a couple of images. If you I think I went on. to the wrong forum. Yeah, I was critiquing people just in the regular form. I see. <laughs> I was out there critiquing. Quite. You got to watch that. I was well, at least saying, you were. You got to watch it. Watch you, at the least you were, and, At least you were working in our forum. Yes. It wasn't just a yes. random Flickr photo that you critiqued. Uh, <laughs> yes, I think. I think. I, I think. I, I. I was just. I just got into Flickr. I just started critiquing everybody. I was like, you know, your your framing is all off here, and the guys. And then I got a lot of comments of, "Who the hell are you?" So. Uh. <laughs> and by the way, if you don't understand how to use Flickr, let me quickly give you some suggestions. You can go to twipphoto.com, and the very top of the page it says, "Are you looking for something?" Just type in Flickr. And we got some movies there that was done by Liana Lehua of GirlsGoneGeek.tv that it will show you how to sign up and post images. Additionally, if you go to Flickr.com, they have this little button at the top of their page that says help. And you know what happens if you click it? You get all kinds of information on what you're supposed to do. So don't, you know, don't give up just because you can't figure out what to do the first second you get there. Join the group. It's a lot of fun. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to brag about it forever. We have the cleanest photo forum in the world. Almost all the other camera forums, camera club forums, photo forums I go on, there's some snarkiness, there's some outright flame wars. We, we haven't allowed and won't allow that here, and, and we have the best group of people. They're all very supportive. Steve, Steve, you've been on some of those other forums. They're not all the most friendly, are they? No, it's, uh, you know, after a while, you know, you start off reading, you know, a, a, a sort of a thread and it starts off very nicely and then it just deteriorates and it just kind of puts a bad taste and, you know, you don't want to come back. And I, I agree with that completely. It's, uh, I hope and I know it will continue this and, way. And Fred, how about you? You, you, you? You've been to some of these other forums? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I pop around all the time. You know, I was just thinking, um, you know, thanks to the wonder of the Apple TV, which I, I love, by the way, um, you know, just speaking about Flickr specifically, the, uh, I've, I've discovered some amazing photographers, not just, you know, in our, in our area, but just all over Flickr, just some people whose work just I never would have seen before. So, you know, maybe, maybe that's a, uh, uh, something for a future show that we just sort of look at other Flickr photographers around the Flickrverse and, uh, and recognize them. Oh, my them. gosh. Don't, don't the do flip that. Verse. Don't, don't make new words like that. I'm just, I'm still trying to catch up with the old words, okay? Wait, Flicker wait, wait, wait. Flicker, Flicker verse, Flicker verse TM. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Listen, I'm old, okay? I'm still working on some of this new media stuff. So, you know, Flicker verse is just past me. I, 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 
And then, by the way, that is not a legal Scrabble word, Fred. So next time you come over, don't even try it. All right, it's time to get, it's time to get serious. And for that, I'm going to turn the discussion over to uh, my buddy Alex Lindsay because we have a special guest. Um, who knows more than anybody else on the planet about Raw. And uh, Alex, I'll let you introduce Mickle. So we have Mickle Olland, and Mickle has the author of uh, Photoshop CS3 Raw. It was CS2 Raw before, before CS3 Raw. I know, I know that sounds crazy, but... Uh, and um, this is talking about transforming your Raw images into works of art. And we've had a lot of... Uh, you know, we get a lot of questions. You know, this, there's this... We, we had a... Um, we put a poll up in 30... 42.3% of our listeners, according to our poll, uh, use RAW only. 36.7% um, use RAW and JPEG. And only about 21% are left that are just using JPEG. So a lot of people are playing with RAW, but I think that in a lot of people's heads, they that to them, RAW is just, it's a better image. But they don't know what makes that a better image and what, what really that provides them. So can you give us a little overview of what, what RAW really means? Right, and good morning to you, Alex. Good morning. Really nice to be here. Um, so I got really excited when this whole RAW thing started several years ago, when we finally got the ability to really save the underlying information that's generated by the sensor on a digital camera. Right. Uh, because up to that point, <clears throat> we were, for most cameras, obviously there were the high, some high-end cameras that were doing RAW a long time ago, but uh, for most of us, we were kind of stuck with a JPEG or a TIFF. Mm -hmm which is really like being stuck with a print, if we're going to go back to the old analogy of film photography. It's as if the, the negative didn't even exist for us. Right. So when RAW came around, we were able to now save things in that RAW uh, unadulterated form, uh, format, if you will. Uh, I got very excited, as did a lot of photographers, because what that meant was that we now were back in the driver's seat. We now had some more control that we, we felt we had lost. Right. And so... For for some of us, that was a matter of being able to pull more quality in, 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 in terms of tone mapping and, and do a better job with the, uh, the way we wanted the image to look. Right. Uh, for other people, it really was a matter of, 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 of flexibility where if you make a mistake in your white balance setting, for example, right. uh, with a JPEG or a TIFF, and I, actually I'm going to stop using the word TIFF because there's no camera. They, Almost they nobody do does. That they anymore. don't. Yeah, that's, just, that's not a format that you should ever be saving your pictures on a camera to. Right. But if you're doing a JPEG, uh, for example, your white balance is set, and you can't go back in later and change it. So there's some, there's some things, and I could go through a list of things, where you actually uh, get a lot more flexibility Mm -hmm. uh, not necessarily the quality, because if you've done a JPEG right, if you've shot it right, and if you have all your settings right, uh, where your sharpening setting, your white balance setting, uh, your, your color space setting, if you've got that the way you want it uh, for a certain workflow, a JPEG can be darn good. Right. However... If you want to deviate at all from any of those uh, any of those parameters, uh, uh, you want raw because oh. then you can do that. And that's a lot. Of, a lot of times we have a discussion when, when people think of audio. You know, uh, like when I talk to audio guys about raw, you know, a lot of what I what an MP3 
sounds great as long as you don't do any EQ to it. So as long as you don't push it around it, because it's, it, it has figured that, you know, they figured out, they spent a lot of science figuring out what you're actually listening to and they throw everything else away. And that's what makes the MP3 really small. That's why, you know, you can download them easily off of iTunes. But the problem is, is that they're, they threw away a lot of information. We, we would never want to mix down to that. We would never want to, in the same way, JPEG is great as long as you hit it you, your, your target is very small. Yeah, that's a really good analogy. And, and then again, going back to the photographic negative analogy, mm-hmm. it's just like you have a print, you're locked with what that print has given you as opposed to the negative, which may have had a lot more information right. uh, in it. And that's why raw uh, is oftentimes referred to as a digital negative. Now, raw is the raw data from the from the chip? Is that is that what it really means? It, it really means that it's the data that hasn't been, um, if you will, assembled or processed the camera itself will process the information that comes off that chip. And if you tell it to process it as a JPEG, mm-hmm. it'll literally go through a processing uh, procedure. Uh, and that procedure can be very good, again, depending on the camera mechanics right. itself. Uh, but a camera is not a computer. So you don't have the computing power in that camera itself that you do later if you're taking that a raw file, being that original data unassembled, right. and then you use a computer and it's software to, re- to assemble it the way you want it to be assembled. Now, because it's raw, everybody's got lots of different formats. Well, actually, you know, I, the word format is really not a, a good word because okay. it really, it's raw data uh, right. in, the, in the sense that... Um, That's format, the, the whole thing is it's not even formatted. Yeah. It's just, and, then, and then there's all, I mean, we could get into the nuances. The fact mm-hmm. is that there is a certain amount of formatting that goes on. And that's why you have what's called the NEF uh, raw file, which right. stands, you know, the Nikon format. Mm-hmm. You have Canon's, uh, you know, CR2. CR2, and then you have Olympus and Sony. They all have their own extension uh, that goes along with that. So, so and, and that's one of the challenges, I guess, for software developers is, is keeping up with making sure that all the extensions stay uh, it's, uh, it's a challenge for all of us because right. it really begs the question, uh, you know, if, if people are changing the, the, this uh, structure um, and your software is not able to read the new, the new way that it's uh, put together, right. uh, what do you do? Or in the future, let's say uh, some of the old file formats uh, are not supported. What do you do? Uh, you, you could be stuck with these, you know, all these files are unreadable. Now, and, now the, uh, most, most of us, I think, bring it in in Photoshop. Are there good standalone applications that, that do a really good job of reading raw? Well, the, okay, so we're talking the Photoshop workflow, which it really encompasses three uh, applications. It's mm-hmm. Photoshop, mm-hmm. Bridge, right. and Camera Raw. Right. That's, that's your kind of what I call an off-road vehicle in that it's a little bit, it's not a real elegant solution, but right. it'll get you just about anywhere you want to go with your raw file. Right. Now, there are certainly other solutions out there. Now, I'm a really big uh, Adobe Photoshop Lightroom uh, fan. Right. And that is a beautiful way to, a very, very efficient way to handle lots of raw files. Now, right. again, this is uh, what, what I, how I describe Lightroom. is it's, it's like a Porsche. It's gorgeous. It's sleek. It's fast. It's, just, mm-hmm. it's a wonderful uh, vehicle. It won't take you everywhere you want to go. And that's why Photoshop comes right. in. There are definitely other uh, applications out there. Mm-hmm. And I could mention, uh, certainly, uh, you know, Ap- right. Apple Aperture is, is another Are there any little ones that are just like raw raw readers? If, if DC Raw is a, uh, there's some free. There's some, right. you know, they're, they're, if you go to the web and, mm-hmm. and, and check um, check that out, you can, raw converters. Uh, uh, there's there's some free ones, mm-hmm. uh, or not free, but for shareware. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's a whole range of raw converters out there. 
there. And this is uh, this is a good point, Alex. I really want to make this is that in the old days we would pick a f- a, a film or a, or a developing process to to get a certain look. Right now. Believe it or not, all these uh, raw f- processors, some of the ones I just mentioned, for example, and the others, um, they do uh, make a different look on your yeah. raw file. Because, uh, because it's, they're, they have to interpret mm. what's coming in. It, yeah. It's not like it's, it's set in stone of this is the way it should look. They, they have to figure out, well, where was the white balance yeah. or where should I put that? Or, for example, Thomas Knoll, who's the genius behind camera, Adobe Camera Raw, he has a certain way that he's looking at these images and, and it comes up with a, a look that, that, he, that he likes and so do right. a lot of people but for example there are other people out there that are developing the, the software uh, Eric Hyman from Bibble for example um, Dave Coffin from DC Raw but they they're just saying well look that's not exactly the way I want to interpret that yeah. right right now now what are the if someone brings something in what is the most important thing that they do if they so we're bringing it into Adobe Camera Raw and uh, and are there any must have adjustments i mean uh, a lot of times you know someone will bring it in and they'll just click okay like whatever you said that's fine and they'll get their photo what are the things the critical things they should be looking at well when you bring something in you have a choice you can actually have adobe camera raw uh, do an auto setting uh, mm-hmm. which it'll, uh, an auto exposure setting and right. and some people are going to find that to be uh, it's a preference you can set it to do it with all your images uh, and some people are going to uh, find that to be very good on their images but other other people will say look i have a certain look that i like uh, maybe a little more saturated look um, like we call a fuji chrome disney like mm-hmm. look uh, so what they can do is they can create a, uh, their own uh, custom uh, default, if you will. So I would I would suggest that um, you know not to push the book, but mm-hmm. you know I talk a, a lot about this in in, in the uh, Photoshop CS3 raw book, where you can go in get a look that you like, uh, and then create this uh, default setting, which then will now apply to all your images automatically. Right. Now, can you use those settings? Is there a way to get those settings from Photoshop to say Lightroom? Oh or, yeah, absolutely. So, the, so those two go back and forth. Oh my forth. gosh, yeah. They're, these these are you know these are twins in a, in many right. ways. The underlying technology of Adobe Camera Raw and, and and the develop module in Lightroom are basically the same. So all those settings are, go back and forth. Right. Absolutely. Right. That, that's critical. Um, is there any? Uh, do you do you do a lot of sharpening, or do you do a lot of stuff while you're in the raw, or do you do that later, or? Okay, the is it beauty, better to do it before or after you bring it in? Okay, sharpening is one of those you know subjects that are like black holes. We could go yeah. down there and, and never come back out. Right. So uh, because the, the the reality is is that what you're getting off of the average CMOS or CCD or whatever that you're you're bringing in is actually is you're going to have to sharpen it somewhere because it's it's inherently the way the chip works. The, the pixels aren't sitting on top of each other. They're all going to be you know you're, you're going to get some softness um, there and you're going to have to sharpen bring that back together just a little bit so the question is always the the, the, the three things that I always hear is, mm-hmm. is that there's sharpen it on the way in mm-hmm. there's sharpen it when it's in there and then there is do a high pass filter which is what I tend to do and do a high pass filter and and uh, do an overlay or, or high or high, um, uh, hard light or whatever and 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 make that adjustment uh, interactive right so what you're talking about is that in actual processing of a raw data you actually there's a d, d um, uh, there's a gaussian blur they technically mm-hmm. applied a purposely 
purposely blurring the raw data on a very on a stage of its processing because uh, this will avoid the the uh, it's demosaicing de- mm-hmm. basically. So so this this blurring that occurs in the processing uh, uh, has to be. Uh, uh, reverse, so that's what's called process sharpening, and that's done fairly automatic. Adobe Camera Raw will um, Thomas Knoll, who who knows how much blurring he put in as right. an equation, knows uh, now to bring that back with mm-hmm. a certain amount of process sharpening, and that's the default setting. Right. So I, I I suggest that people generally go with what Thomas has come up with, right. and and leave it at that. Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then the other thing that you're talking about is is the um, uh, there, there's a, there's another type of sharpening called cosmetic sharpening, where you're actually right. going in and saying, I want the eyes sharp, um, but I want the skin to be soft or the blemishes to be soft. Right. That's cosmetic sharpening, mm-hmm. and you can do that in in uh, uh, you'd have to go into Photoshop to do that because that's more localized. Right. Right. And then there's the final sharpening, which is uh, uh, the sharpening that goes to your output device. Right. Uh, and that ba- that's based on what you're doing with that print. So right. there's really this is what I mean by the black hole. Right. 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 It, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper into it, but you know you could also just keep the um, the standard uh, you know default setting and. and and be happy with that too. Yeah. A lot of times. Now, um, do you guys have any questions for Michael? I think it's probably worth mentioning that that uh, the sharpening that you talk about, uh, some of it can actually be specific to the photo that you're shooting or that you have shot. Also, if you've got, uh, you know, moiré patterns can show up. If you've got really fine lines that you've photographed, and you may find that sharpening at the raw decode stage should be played with there. So there, there's again, it really is a black hole where you can go down for where you do the sharpening and how much you do. Or you can just say it's fine. <laughs> you know, I don't, there's one thing I, I, I get when I bring up sharpening in a, in a large room full of people, I feel sweat starting to, <laughs> to pour off of people's skin. And that's the fear and the nervousness around making a mistake or doing something wrong uh, people associate with uh, digital photography. And I always wanted to say, look, at the end of the day, you know, if you, you're not, if you make a mistake, you can fix it later. And oftentimes the default settings are fine. So don't sweat this. Uh, right. Please, let's not get to... Yeah, and it's not like that. you can't, you know, you can't take great photos without even shooting raw. I mean, I think it's important for people to, to realize that that you know, when you shoot raw, you're committing to doing post-processing. And a lot of people don't want to spend that time in front of the computer after the fact. And they may just want to get a very good quality JPEG straight out of the camera and be done with it. And it depends on what, you know, if you're shooting something that's, you know, a birthday party and you don't really plan to go back and spend several hours in the lab on your computer, then JPEG should be fine. And then there's people like me that I just feel naked if I'm not shooting raw. I mean, you know, like if I'm shooting JPEG, I feel like, oh, I, I get... I get nervous. It's it's definitely a safety net, right? <laughs> well, you know, yeah. it, it, that's why a lot of people, and me included, I shoot raw plus JPEG, and so I have yeah. that uh, that you know. And memory is now such that that it's not that big of a a, a cost associated with doing both. Now, some people have noticed. I, I've noticed actually. This is the in an older my older Nikon that I had actually. Um, one of the issues that I had when I set it to raw, a lot of times I would get more in low light conditions. I would actually get more grain than I got with JPEG. Is, is there any kind of uh, uh, more anomalies? Uh, is there anything that, that you don't know of anything That's related to that? That's not making sense to me. It well, that, it, it would be if your converter was more aggressive uh, 
if your raw converter was more aggressive yeah. in terms of sharpening, yeah, Definitely. then yeah. that would be just something you could dial back. Because right. again, remember, when you shoot raw, it, that underlying data, when you use camera raw or Lightroom, for example, th that data is not touched. It, it, right. It's left untouched. Now, do you, get, do you really get the same uh, level of detail? Uh, or I'm not level of detail. What, what's the, the, um, the dynamic range of raw compared to, let's say, a negative? Uh, why don't we go compared to JPEG? Because that's really where you get the, well, but, but, the raw. The raw itself is a, is a much greater dynamic range. Right. And we, to compare it to a negative, I mean, we get into the whole issue of what kind of negative are you talking about. But right. But uh, when you're saving a raw file, you're getting all the bits of data per channel uh, mm -hmm. that uh, it's been clipped off for a JPEG. A JPEG ends up with eight bits per per, per right. color channel. So right there, you have much more flexibility in your tone mapping. Is there a set number of stops that, that raw that maybe they say raw gives you two to three stops is what some people say two to three yeah okay can i ask a quick question to mickle yeah um i was curious like there are literally hundreds of different raw formats and i wondered really um how how different are they are they are there dramatic differences between the various raw formats and do the camera manufacturers are they able to sort of take different uh, raw formats and open them up and see what other people are doing and, and is that how they improve on things? That's a really good question. It, it opens up a lot of different ways I can go with it but to answer your question first real simply is yes they're all they're all fundamentally different. It, the way uh, the camera manufacturer chooses to handle the data and the way that it's, it's, it's saved makes them different um, and uh, maybe there's some nuances between certain, um, certain um, uh, raw files uh, especially between a, a raw a D100, a Nikon D100 file and a D200 file, for example. There'll be nuances there. But the, but the, and the thing that gets a little bit tricky is sometimes the manufacturers, they encode or encrypt uh, some of that data that's in the raw file so that nobody can get, theoretically, nobody can get to it. And sometimes that is very useful information. There was well, a few well, years that was ago. A big, that was a big hubbub with, with, with Nikon, Nikon, And right? the white balance, yeah. And that, so, was, that was the final straw that actually moved me from Nikon to Canon. With, yeah. It was, because it was, it was one of the, there was a bunch of other reasons, yeah. SDKs, the SDK was the biggest reason, but it was like one of the things I was hedging on, and then I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going so, to go. So the camera manufacturer's argument, for the secret sauce, as they call it, is that they want to be able to have some proprietary stuff built into these files. It gives them, uh, it gives them some kind of a competitive advantage. Right. And, and that's why when you open up a NEF file using a Nikon capture, you can do some lens correction stuff that's, uh, because they've built in some of that right. information. Uh, Adobe Camera Raw doesn't read well, that. Which is fantastic. You have a 10.5 lens in, in an icon, and, and when you open it up in, uh, in, the, Nike, in the capture, um, you, uh, uh, it'll say, oh, this is a 10.5 lens, and it pops it right back out um, in, in all the... Rectilinear, yeah. You get perfect. rid of all the distortion. Yeah. And, and so right there, you know, that's a competitive advantage. That the, so Now, this is... I, I can't stop this conversation without bringing up DNG. Di yeah. DNG is a digital negative format that's been championed by Adobe mm -hmm. as a universal uh, open standard format so that uh, if you convert your, your, your proprietary NEF or, wh or whatever, CRW, into... Uh, into the DNG format by uh, using camera raw or the DNG converter, uh, you're assured this is an open format. It's based on, on TIFF, basically. And it's going to basically last forever, or not forever, for long enough. It's an open standard. Right. I don't need to say any more than that. Right. So it, it, there is an argument for taking some of your really special uh, raw files, ones that you know, your keepers that you for sure want to have around forever, and also make a DNG as well. Right.
Right. Great. Well, that's a lot of information. And Mikkel, where, where would uh, you like for us to direct people to find out more about what you're doing if they want to stay in touch with you know, what you're writing or what you're doing, where you're speaking, et cetera? Is there a place they can go? Well, I, I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled to, to bring people to my website, which is shooting-digital.com. Um, I also would be very happy if, uh, if anybody just uh, uh, came to the O'Reilly site. That's my publisher. And there's going to be some, I can't, I can't, uh, I have to say something. Very, next week's going to, there's going to be some very exciting news coming out of O'Reilly uh, and, uh, and, and some of the stuff that we're working on together. So I highly recommend people uh, go to the O'Reilly.com site and check out what we're doing there, as well as my shooting-digital.com. It, and, like I said, next week will be very exciting. And the book is uh, Photoshop CS3 Raw. And uh, if you're really d- serious about this, if you're really serious about getting this is the book to have. So yeah. uh, so definitely check it out. Mikkel. We'll make sure to link to all of that yeah, in definitely. our show notes. And we thank you for coming on the show, Mikkel. It's been a pleasure. I really enjoyed this. Thanks for coming. Moving on to uh, listener questions. I do have to mention that the Skype gremlins finally killed Fred. <laughs> There'll be a funeral for him tomorrow. Uh, we'll try to revive him, however, and bring him back to life next Thursday. And uh, we still, still the good news, we still have Ron and Steve, I think. Still here, yep. Still here. Still okay, here. Well, that's good news. We got a couple of listener questions we're going to get to. We always have way, way more of these than we have time for, but we'll get to a couple of them. A, a fellow named Scott Stray wrote to say, I'm considering purchasing a used camera from Craigslist. What should I take note of when buying a used piece of gear? And um, do you guys ever buy used cameras? So. So what do you guys think? I buy used cameras all the time. Do you? I mean, well, okay. I should, I sell used cameras all the time. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, no, actually, Craigslist is, is, you know, it's free. Um, You get to meet some interesting people. People, and I've experienced this, if you put up a Craigslist ad, put it up close to the weekend because that's when you're going to get a lot of your action. People will scan through, but it's the weekend when people are actually doing the deals in the city that the Craigslist is running. So uh, that that, uh, was a good tip that was pointed out to me that, that really seems to help. But in terms of purchasing a camera on Craigslist, the problem you got is that you don't know anything about the seller. You don't know where they came by the camera. When you do something like eBay, there's the reputation system. You can find out how long the person's been a part of eBay, if they've been there five, six years, whatever, if they've had thousands of transactions. Unfortunately, with Craigslist, you, you, you take your chances. My personal opinion is it's okay to buy used cameras. I just bought a, a used Hasselblad X-Pan, which is in very nice condition. However... Um, you know, I I would buy it at a very well-known, established camera reseller like Jack's Camera in Indiana, which is well-known for selling used gear. There's another place called KEH that sells a lot of used gear. Of course, Adorama and B&H also sell used gear. I would rather deal with somebody I knew or with something like eBay where you could... Uh, you know, really have some sense. But the of nice thing about Craigslist versus eBay is, uh, you, you know, it's usually a local person, so you can actually go get your hands on it, whereas eBay is... Yeah, that is, that is an advantage, but, you know, how many people are going to know how to check for a, a, a torn shutter or, um, you know, some of the problems that you can have um, with, with used cameras? I would, personally, I, I guess maybe I'm the loner on this one, I would be careful about buying from Craigslist, but I wouldn't have a problem buying a used camera from somebody I... The thing is, when you meet the person on Craigslist, I mean, you can usually suss them out pretty quickly. As well, to if who I met you on with. Craigslist, I'd say it's okay. You Steve. would never buy anything <laughs> for me. 
but but you know what do you guys think i mean digital cameras i mean that is one thing like buying a digital body for whatever reason and rightly or wrongly uh, i'm a little hesitant i mean lenses and so on and even film cameras I'm afraid but i don't i don't buy any used um tools yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, you know yeah. I, I my my whole thing is is that I, i'm afraid that people will treat that people treated their digital tools the way I treat my digital as bad tools. as we do, yeah, exactly. And uh, and yeah. if they do, I don't want to have any part of it. You know, I mean, it's like I, I talked to a guy who sells his. Uh, he shoots um, in the in the bush in uh, in Zimbabwe uh, with you know a variety of different videos, and he uses an XL two XL two. He's moving to XLH one. This is this is a video video shoot, but he shoots only one season, and then he cleans the camera. He sends it out for to Canon to be to be looked at, and then he sells it. You know, and every and every year he just sells a new camera. And the thing is, you don't, you, you really don't. If he doesn't want the camera, you don't want the camera. Well, I'll t- I will tell you this though: if you buy, at least from Canon, a refurb. Yeah, well, a refurb's a completely different you're thing. You're getting like a new camera. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They, they Same call with them, Nikon. Too. They call them white box deals in Canon. It comes yeah. in a white box, but it's every single thing you'd have gotten if you bought the retail box. And the way you get those deals is you have a good relationship with a camera retailer who's got access to that stuff. Yeah. A Canon will only make those refurbs available to its best dealers. Right. So if you find a high-end, like Hunt's Photo in Boston or, or mm-hmm. B&H, you find a guy that you got a relationship there at the camera store and say, look, if they ever come with any 40D refurbs, put yeah. my name on the list, yeah. oftentimes they'll be dramatically cheaper than the retail. In fact, And those I, come with some kind of a warranty still, They do right? come with a warranty, yeah. exactly. I picked up a 20D for 300 bucks refurbed. Yeah. That's yeah. great. You know, the other thing, too, that I think people are, are, are now sort of savvy about, and that is the number of actuations. Yeah, you have you to look at You can determine that. how many, you know, frames were fired by the camera, and that gives you an indication of maybe how much life is left. I mean, there's no guarantees, of course, but it does give you a good indication as to how well used that camera you're buying is. And if the camera looks worn, if it's worn out. That's probably a good indicator that you need to be careful. I just I picked, <laughs> it looks I, like my camera. I picked up a Hasselblad <laughs> X-Pan. I had no choice but to buy it used because Hasselblad's no longer selling new ones. And the camera looked like it was, you know, a day old. Right. It was perfect. Mm-hmm. I was like, okay, I got no problem with this. So anyway, let's move on. Uh, an interesting subject. We'll talk more about it in the future. Um, we have a question now from Yoni Mintz. I Hope. And I think that the, the, Yoni's uh, question, I mean, the upshot is how do we back, how do we store stuff? How do we back stuff up? And we've talked about that a little bit. Okay. Um, uh, but uh, how do you guys really approach this? We talked about it a little bit a couple shows ago, but it's, it's something that we still continue to get some uh, questions about. Um, do you have a, a, a way of what, what kind of storage devices do you use? <laughs> I just got done restoring my entire system. My laptop died. And the, and the worst thing was, I'd, I'm pretty good with backup, so I do a nightly clone to an external hard drive, and I, uh, I upload to an offsite, which we'll talk about in a second. But my clone, di- or my, my hard drive on my laptop died during the clone, so it took out the local disk and the clone <laughs> backup that I had. <laughs> so oh, it was terrible, and and so I had to I had to go back to my online backups, which you know saved my butt. Um, I actually do two of them. I do the I use dot back or the backup for dot Mac, and mm-hmm. I use Mosey. Mm-hmm. And um, that was good. Yeah. Well, I'm an Aperture guy. I think Scott is too. And and uh, you know, it's it's easy to either if you have a managed library to do the vault system. I find occasionally I will just um, you know copy an entire library 
And I don't know, Scott, is there any downside to doing that, having two duplicates of, of a library as opposed to a library with a vault There's attached certainly to it? no downside to it, but I'll tell you, the vault works. I've tested it a dozen times, sometimes on purpose, sometimes not on purpose. Mm-hmm. And, and the vault works. And in, in, in Lightroom, you don't get a vault, but you, you have a disk with the images that are in your catalog. And all you have to do is make a copy of that disk. So you drag one group of files onto another to do the same thing. I, I have like... I lost count. I had those little Q drives, G drives, whatever. Yeah. I got so many of them. I literally don't know how many of them I got. We, we, we realize that we have, we, now we have a different problem, which is video right. and, uh, and, and big cameras. And, and so we, we burn through as much as a terabyte to two terabytes a week. And, um, and so what we do is we have raw drives. So we're just using, um, we, we buy Seagate 500 gig drives. Uh, we use Webatex little converter that turns them into basically just plug it into the SATA input and it makes it a FireWire drive and then we offload our our files to it and then we we usually do it to two of them if we need you know if we're having a big bat you know to, if it's important data and keep them in two different rooms and we realize we now at a hundred we now have a hundred of these uh, raw drives sitting oh, in the office yeah. and Webatex now fortunately makes uh, cases uh, static guard um, they look like little. Fi- cases like you'd get with a videotape mm-hmm. and uh, you can pop them in there and uh, and then what we use is a, a program called disk tracker to uh, keep track of all the files and we can find them within minutes you know find a file within minutes if we've named it well and, and, and here's the, the other thing I'll say about this and we should probably move on after this but the uh, uh, is that um, naming conventions are a good thing naming conventions and metadata and everything else are a good thing it's really as an artist it's easy to uh, um, just throw throw stuff in there and leave it w- with whatever the the what you know the the raw file that came out of the camera or not really be specific about that but really thinking about how you approach your names uh, how you name your files how you name uh, your structures um, and building that out uh, makes a huge difference in how quickly and how effectively you can find uh, obscure files you know years from now well i'm I'm about to go to drobo so i'm gonna i'm gonna do an experiment with the drobo system yeah can i just ask Quickie question, and and that is, and it, you know, this is a growing problem in that our archives are growing. We're having all these drives. Um, when do you replace a drive? I mean, I've got these Porsche Lassie drives that are sitting on my when desk. It starts they, to make funny noises. Yeah. No, fair enough. But you know, after like two, <laughs> that might years, be a little late. That was too late for mine. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Rule, yeah. There you go. Like rule, uh, rule number one is that a file doesn't exist unless it exists in two places. Mm-hmm. So that's the biggest rule. Um, so when a bad drive, you know, if you have, if you, if, especially when we have important stuff, so stuff that we're connected to, uh, we have it on two different drives, you know, and, and then you, you, you can't let a drive sit for more than six months without spinning it up. Yeah. And we've had drives that last six, eight years. Um, now, the, 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 real, the real exciting thing that down the road, and there's a whole Mac break tech about this, so I'm not going to talk about it in detail here, but there's a, what's in, it's on the horizon is a, is a file format system called ZFS. And what that means is you just have a whole bunch of drives that are all connected. And it's, it's kind of like a big RAID 5 where you're, you're able to be, uh, you're able to add drives and pull drives out. And it's kind of, it, there's a lot of redundancy. So you can, you'll be able to plug all your drives in and just slowly pull the old ones out and put new ones in that are bigger and cheaper. Um, and it'll, you know, you don't do it all at one time. But as you do one, one or two drives at a time, it just slowly moves all the data you know, to the new ones. I know it's hard to get your head around that, but that's what's coming. Um, Apple's already talked about it. Sun's been using it for a long time. Well, that's and, similar to what the Drobo does with a proprietary yeah. system. In fact, you don't, Steve, the answer to your question, if you use something like the Drobo, is you don't have to worry about when the drive fails because with the Drobo, mm-hmm. you have, well, fair there, enough. I just there are four slots and you simply pull the drive out when it fails, drop a new one in, and it gets replenished and you don't lose a thing. 
But these are all local backup solutions, and I, I do want to stress having some kind of remote system. I mean, if your house burns down, you're right. Or your office burns down, you know, and that, that's why I do. That's and good, I gotta that's say, good I mean, I'm for Mosey. Yeah, and I'm not. I can't completely endorse Mosey. It was a pain in the ass to get it <laughs> everything back off. I mean, I, when I re-downloaded my stuff, it was 44 separate DMG files Ooh. that I had to remerge together, and oh, I did wow. have one corrupted file of everything. It's like 17 gigabytes, so. I'm not. I'm not completely uh, satisfied well, that Mosey is the be all and the end all either. But there the are reason, a bunch of other. The reason I'm going to go to the Drobo is there is a network tool that goes with it now that you can buy, so mm-hmm. I can have a four terabyte Drobo sitting where my mm-hmm. main computer is, and another four terabyte Drobo sitting down the road, and network them together, and then you have that off-site solution. And that's what, that's what I'm looking at doing, is I'm thinking about the Drobo as well, and um, putting one in the office, one in the house, and just having them sync each other all the, you know, sync with each other all the time. Now make sure How much is that? It's, well, it's, it's, the, the case is 500 bucks. Right. The networking solution is 200 bucks. If you get two of them, the cases, that's 1,000 plus the 200, and you buy your own drive, so the cost of the drives is up to you. You can buy good ones, cheap ones. They actually recommend, I talked to the guy, the chief engineer there during Macworld, he said, buy the cheapest drive you can get because our system is foolproof. If one of them fails, it just drop another one in. You won't lose any data. So they recommend buying the cheapest one terabyte drives you can find. And I was able to find them at 203 bucks at Fry's. So for, you know, not, not, not a lot of money, you get tons of storage. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm, I'm about to get that system employed over the next few weeks because I just have so... I have... I have 400,000 images. and right. I, I it's, just, not, it's not a FireWire system, Scott. Is that going to be an issue? I mean, it's going to take that much longer to, to work? Um, well, a lot of the backup stuff that it does, it does in, in, uh, in the background. They, they claim that the USB 2.0 is fast enough. I did ask the question about the FireWire, and, and that's probably the only chink in the armor on this deal. If you need something much faster, then you're going to have to spend a lot more money and, and get a full-blown RAID system. But I, I think it's worth a try. Uh, our friend Leo Laporte's using it, Andy Anako, several people I know and trust are using it and have actually gone through the data loss um, situations fine. They had a drive fail. They put in a new one. It was like magic. It worked. So we're going to give that a try. And uh, we're, you know, the great thing is we're going to do this show a year from now, and there'll be some cool new thing that's even better. Yep. And, and mm-hmm. this is just going to be a problem that people eventually turn attention to. We need to move on because we are long. So we're going to wrap up. I just want to say we do read every one of your questions. We are now getting hundreds and hundreds a week. And we love to get them. Unfortunately, can't. And they do. They do affect the. They they affect they the show. They affect the outcome of the show. And so, um, you know, when we think about what subjects we're going to talk about, one of the reasons we talked, we wanted to bring Mickle in and talk about Raw is because we were getting so many questions about Raw. You yeah. Know? And so, yeah. while we didn't answer someone's specific question, that's right. why we spent so much time with it. So definitely keep on sending those. Keep questions sending them, and, and and don't be mad at us if we don't respond to you directly. I do try to respond to you know a few of them, the ones that are easy to to answer. By the way, if you want. To have a chance to get your answer immediately and directly, the simplest way to do that is to keep your question short and to the point in just one question. When you send us an email with 34 questions, yeah. unlikely we're going to be able to deal with that immediately. I'm afraid I don't really read emails that are longer than six lines. Everyone in the office knows that. It's just like if you write longer than six lines, uh, that's, that's, about, that's about as much as I get. So, so coming up next week... We haven't decided what we're going to do yet. No, we haven't. So we're going to make that a surprise. It's, it's going to be the mystery. It's, it's going, going to be, be the mystery, mystery show. I, I, I had someone lined up and they and they well, fell through, and so we're, well, we, we're going to. We may. Did you get my email about Joe? I didn't get the email about okay, Joe. Okay, well, we'll talk about Joe. We have, may have a special guest on next week. Otherwise, we'll just we'll just 
be ourselves. I suspect we'll talk about photography-related topics. Yes, great idea. Next week, I'm just guessing. Next week, we're going to talk about photography. On this week in photography. (laughs) And um, we, we do have Alex... Working on histograms. Is this a video? Yeah, we. This is this is also based on a lot of questions that we were getting. At no one. We we got a lot of questions about histograms, and um, and so what I'm gonna do is we're gonna have a video that comes out um, next Tuesday, uh, that is me just explaining the basics of what a histogram Good. is and how Good. it works, and and uh, kind of get over that, that and what you want to look at. Can I give you a tip? Yes. Don't wear sunglasses in the video. I don't. I don't show up on my videos. I just. I just turn the. Turn the I just turn the recorder on and go. Okay. So. Uh, yeah. That's an inside joke between me and about seven of our listeners. Okay. Um, who's got a tip? A tip. Ooh. A tip. Can I get a tip, Steve? Can you give me a tip? How about you, Ron? A tip. Okay. And I'm not looking for fifteen percent. Um, go ahead, Steve. All right. You want me to give a tip? I do. <laughs> yes. Well. It's right there um, in the little email I we guess, send you every week. <laughs> oh, right, right. I didn't realize it was my turn to, to give a tip. But that's for I the other guys. Fresh, fresh, fresh from my uh, trip in Africa, one of the things that I, I definitely was reinforced to me, and that was um, the longer time, especially it, it's apropos because we're talking about people as the assignment next week, the longer you spend uh, with the people you photograph, generally speaking, um, often uh, the better results that are yielded. And, and that was my experience in dealing with some of the uh, people that I'd met, specifically the grandmothers. Uh, the shoots that they allowed me uh, to spend more time and try more things, um, often uh, some of the best stuff would come toward the end of that particular session. So um, I would say when you find something or someone that you really want to photograph, push it a little bit further. And when you think maybe you're, you're kind of through, uh, stay with it a little bit longer, and sometimes uh, something great will happen. That's an excellent tip. Any, and you can turn that around to anything. If whatever the subject is you're photographing, whether it's plants, people, animals, the more time you spend studying, interacting with, being around that subject, the better your photos will be. Great to see you here. We pushed you, Steve, and you just came with you came with gold. There you go. That's just Last the minute. kind of guy you are, isn't it? I do want to mention we got a new poll. We have a new poll, which is, how much do you intend to spend on gear in the next six months on photo-related gear? Now, don't worry. Your spouses have no idea who you are. We've shielded your IP addresses. <laughs> so feel free to tell the truth. And if you get caught, I do have some advice. When you bring home that new lens and the wife or the husband, because I don't want to be sexist, says, What's, is, is, is that another new lens? Just try this. Say, that old thing? They won't know the difference because it looks all look they all look alike to them. So anyway, let us know how much you're going to spend on gear. We want to get a real sense because you know we hear a lot of hype about people buying cameras and what kind of money they spend, and we all kind of do this professionally, so we spend a lot. But I want to know, you know, the thousands of you that listen to the show, how much do you really plan to spend over the next six months? That poll will run for two weeks, and then the next poll is going to be very controversial. Because mm-hmm. Alex thought it up, <laughs> and it's uh, it, we're gonna we're gonna poll people and ask them how they listen to the show, 
We're just curious. Well, I, I, I kind of know what's going to happen. Anyway, um, <laughs> it's going to start a flame war and people are going to yell at me because you made the decision to put us up on iTunes. <laughs> yes. I just want to like say... Make it in the bath, that I kind just, of thing? I or? just want to say... It's gone so poorly, no one's listening to the show. I know, I can tell. I just want to say that I am simply no longer going to respond to the emails where you, you call us names because we don't have a feed on juice or on this or on that. We can't, we can't put a feed up for every single device. We simply don't have time. And it's a free show. And iTunes, in our opinion, does deliver the best experience. And we're trying to give you guidance in that regard because that's we've got some special stuff coming on the podcast that you will only be able to see well, we've been, if you go to iTunes. We've been doing the uh, AAC, you know, we've been, chapter we've, been markers. we've been putting the chapter markers in. We're going to be, be adding more links. We're going to be adding more graphic support. Um, a lot we're, it's kind of weird to have a have a web have a have a uh, a photography show that doesn't have any images. Yeah, you know, and so we're working so on that. We're, well, we we're start we've been inserting the chapters. We've been inserting, you know, pieces. We're going to be doing a lot more with that. We're doing a lot of R&D in that area, and we just want to make sure that when we do that, everyone gets to enjoy it. And and you can always go to pixelcore.tv/twip if you don't you have hit iTunes, play. you can hit play and listen to the show. And it's a free show. Yeah. It's absolutely free. So come on in and check it out and I mean what it like two hundred thousand downloads? I mean, certainly we yeah. haven't gone too far. Yeah, we're doing about this, you know about a hundred thousand a week. Okay, so so obviously there are some iTunes users out there. We do appreciate, it, but that we we want to find out specifically where you're at. So that'll be the next poll. But this poll is how how much dinero do you plan to drop in the next six months on camera gear? And I believe I set the highest category at two thousand dollars plus. So. Um, you know, two thousand dollars for photography equipment. There are some people. So far, ten percent of the respondents have said yes. I plan to spend that in the next no, was, six months. Oh, in the next six months. Yeah, next six months. Now there's yeah. zero to one hundred dollars, and roughly ten percent have picked that. If I could get that. down, if I could get down to that, that'd be awesome. <laughs> <laughs> if you could get down to that. Anyway, we appreciate you listening to the show. Thanks to Mickle as our special guest. Thanks to uh, Fred who was killed by the Skype goblins, but we're going to revive him with our special Skype juice. And uh, thanks, of course, to Steve, our buddy who's back safely from Africa. Yay! We're so Yay. glad you're back. Um, and, and where can people find you, Steve? Um, well, actually, I'm going to be um, giving a little talk at Louisiana State University in Baton Rouge if you're around on Wednesday, April 2nd. I think the show will be out before then. Shoot, I'm going to be there April 1st. Oh, you're kidding I'm me. Why don't you stay it. an extra day? I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> asked you to. But, uh, I'll be there on the second. So if anyone's around, I think uh, you can come in. We're going to be talking about Aperture, and we're going to be talking about photography. And Steve Simon Photo is your blog? SteveSimonPhoto.com. Yeah. And Ron Brinkman, thank you for being on the show. Where would you like me to direct people to find out more about what you're up to? I'm not up to anything these days. <laughs> just just go to the uh, TWIP forums. That's where I've mostly found lately. Okay, that's a great place for you to be. Alex Lindsay, of course, is the big head cheese honcho and all that kind of stuff at pixelcore.com and pixelcore.tv. If it has anything to do with pixels and cores, Alex is in charge of it and uh, doing a fine job managing all those pixels you are. All right, that's, that's a lot of pixels. I lose a couple here and there. You lose a couple here and there. And uh, you can visit my uh, photography website to see some of my images at avianstock.com, A-V-I-A-N-S-T-O-C-K.com. We got an email from a listener that said, what's an avian? Well, that's, that's a fancy word for bird. I take a lot of bird pictures of avianstock.com. Also, hanging out in the forums over at Flickr and checking out what's going on on our blog at twipphoto.com. We appreciate uh, every one of you who's part of the show in whatever part you play. 
And um, I, I think I'm going to turn it over to my good buddy Alex to uh, do the sign-off, the official TWIP sign-off until next week. We're putting that lens cap right back on. 